My name is John Mark Redwine, and I'm the lead pastor, and it is such an honor to have you with us today. If you're brand new, welcome. We're just so happy that you're here with us. Uh, well, I, I want to share a couple things with you this morning. First, um, this is a great Sunday to join us for the first time or any time because it's the first Sunday of summer at the gathering, okay? And so we got stuff happening right after service outside. Pops in the lot, y'all. We got some popsicles for you. Come on out and hang out with us and uh, on your way out there, you're going to see a table, and in that table, there's all these different signs, and there's all these different uh, uh, QR codes. I couldn't remember the name of it. I don't know if I've ever used a QR code that you can use to sign up to join a life group today. It's Life Group Sunday. Yes. And if you're not clapping, you just don't know how good life groups are at the Gathering Church. We got all kinds of great summer groups for you to choose from out there. Now, summer life groups are an awesome opportunity, especially if you're newer to our church because it's a shorter semester, less of a commitment. It's just a few weeks long, and most of them are really oriented towards just getting to know people building community. We talk a lot here at this church about having good community and about being known and about being seen and about having people know you who you didn't come in here with every Sunday. And we believe that happens in the context of life groups. And so go sign up, sign up today because the one you want to be in, if you don't sign up today, it will be full and you won't have the opportunity. So make sure you're signing up for groups after service today. Well, I'm so excited uh, for the message today. I'm bringing back an old favorite. And before I get into it, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so good, that you are the God of this moment and every moment, Lord. And as we talk today about potential, my prayer is for all the untapped potential in this room. For every person who you created with a purpose, God, who you designed with a dream in mind, who has not yet discovered it, that you would begin to give us hints of what you have in store for us. That you would begin to give us just a glimpse of what you've got in mind for us today, God. Open our hearts to receive your word. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Well, we are uh, digging into the archives a little bit today because this is a topic that we really just have to revisit over and over and over again. I think it's so important. And it's a fun one as we kick off Summer at the Gathering. Now, if you were here in 2018, maybe you remember Untapped. Anybody remember Untapped? No, it's a beer series. Actually, I was telling uh, some of our team this morning, that's 10% of you that were here in 2018. And so this is going to be a treat for the rest of you guys. This is brand new. I just came up with it. Just this morning, actually, the Lord gave it to me. Uh, now, this, this, this next couple weeks, what I want to talk about really is potential. And I want to study one of my favorite stories in the book of Genesis and in the Old Testament uh, as we understand how God creates and develops and unveils potential in us. And it's the story of a man named Joseph. And as we talk about Joseph and potential, I thought it might be fun because we live in the beer city. There is, uh, I last count, 196 breweries within a two-mile radius of one another here in this city. More people brew beer than coffee in this city, which is wild. And, uh, and so I wanted to learn a little bit about the beer-making process as we talk about potential. Because making beer is all about unleash, unleashing potential. 
And potential is important for us to talk about because potential is the single greatest unused commodity in the world. I believe that we were all created and crafted with a vision in mind. Uh, Scripture says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. It says that you've been made in the image of God. And that means a lot of things, but one of the things that it means is that you were created with immense amounts of potential, gifts, talents buried inside of you just waiting to be realized. Some people are gifted with the ability to identify potential, not just potential within uh, people, but artists are gifted at seeing potential. Artists can look at a blank canvas and see the potential that is in that canvas, bring it out with their paints and whatever they else they use. Sometimes they use pencils, and I don't know. A uh, sculptor can look at a block of granite or a block of marble and see something beautiful inside of it. And the brewer, like the artist, identifies potential. He, looks, he or she looks at the simple four ingredients, hops, barley, yeast, and water, nothing special, nothing fancy, strawberry lemonade if they're brewing Natter Days. It's the same four ingredients but the same one outcome, right? No, the process determines the outcome. See, the process when they're making beer, even if they're using the same four ingredients as everybody else, will determine exactly what kind of beer that you come out with. Uh, There is potential in each grain of barley and the intricacies of the hops, the different flavors the hops have depending on what strain they are, what variety, where they were grown, the importance of the yeast and the strains of yeast and when it's removed or if it's filtered, the hops uh, and then the purity of the water all matters deeply. And in these ingredients, the brewer sees the beer that they're making before they make it, and they know the process determines the outcome. If you roast the barley instead of malting it, you get a stout. Uh, how much hops you use and when you add them, you can make an IPA or something that's a really strong flavored beer, something that tastes gross, if I'm being honest. You guys pretending to like IPAs out there. I see you. I know what you're doing. It's not as cool as you think. The process determines the outcome. The process determines the outcome. I want to spend the next couple weeks talking about the process and realizing our potential. I want to talk about the the steps, three main steps in making beer and and relate them to this story of Joseph. And I, I think you'll see that it goes pretty well together. And the first step uh, when you're making beer is milling the barley. Milling the barley, that's the crushing of the grain. It's taking these grains and crushing them as the first part of the process. Next week we'll talk about mashing and the development of potential and then after Father's Day, we'll talk about fermentation and the finished product. I wanna talk about milling though today. So once the barley has been malted or roasted, it's milled. That means it's gotta be crushed. But it's not as simple as that. This crucially important step can make or break a beer before it's ever even begun. The key in the crushing is to crush the grains just enough so that it exposes the starchy center of the barley seed without damaging the hulls that encase them. If the crush is too coarse, not enough starch will be converted to sugar. If the crush is too fine, the husk, which acts as a filter bed for the brew, will be destroyed and the brew will become gummy and unusable. Before we can begin to make beer, the base ingredient, the barley, has to be crushed. 
We make it possible to extract potential from grains by first crushing those grains. Not so much that there's nothing left, but just enough that the grain is open and receptive to what is going to happen next. And so as we think about potential, let me ask you this question today. Have you been through the milling process? Have you been properly crushed? You know what I'm talking about. Maybe for you, you thought you were close to achieving your dreams. Maybe you were starting a business or you were buying the house or you were in the relationship or whatever it was. You were just this close. And then 2020 hit and the whole world shut down and it was taken away from you before it ever began. Maybe you know what that feels like. Maybe it's a season of hardship in your family, whether it's illness or loss. Big changes, financial difficulties. Maybe you're in one of those dark seasons where you really don't know why it's happening and you really don't know if, if the sun's ever going to rise again, if, it's, if it's, it feels like it's never going to end, like you're going to be trapped in this dark moment forever. Maybe you're going through a season of personal disappointment. I mean, your life just isn't where you thought it would be. Nothing's working out just right. You, you can't get where you want to go. Maybe it's been relationships you're lonely and you're just tired of being alone, but you never seem to meet the right person, the one. Or maybe you thought you met the right person, but now it's over, it ended, and now you've got no idea what happens next. See, I think the crushing, the milling process for us, it takes a lot of different forms, but we all go through seasons of milling, usually not just once, but there will often be a season that sticks out more than the rest, and I know because I've been there. I've been in these seasons before. I could tell you a lot of different stories. Stories about being in the Coast Guard. And, and uh, I was in the Coast Guard for nine years. And while I was in the Coast Guard, I went through some pretty, I made some bad decisions and I got in big trouble for it. And it was one of the worst seasons of my life. I could tell you about that. I could tell you about uh, 2019, which was one of the worst years I've ever lived through. 2019, I saw my 17-month-old daughter go to the ICU because she was being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And we had to learn how to be her nurse day in and day out for the rest of her life. I could tell you about going through seasons where people that I thought I would always be in relationship with were just not there anymore. I could tell you about 2020 and trying to lead a church when you can't see anybody. I could tell you about Seasons where it felt like no matter what we did, everything was wrong. People were mad at us every turn that we took. I could tell you many different seasons through my life where I have been through a milling process, where I have felt crushed, where I have felt like I was being opened from the outside. Maybe you've been through a process similar to that. I think we have such a shared trauma over the last few years uh, that we all understand what it feels like to go through this. This pandemic, the economy, all the tensions in the world, it has left us all feeling a little bit milled. Just this past week, I was at the funeral of a close friend who died after being diagnosed with COVID-19 10 months ago. It's been a hard year. It's been a hard couple of years. Maybe for you, it's been a hard decade. There's been all kinds of difficult things happen. Shootings in our children's schools, church scandals. I just think we all know what it feels like to be crushed. 
I want to look at a story from Scripture, really one of my favorite character studies, uh, of a man who realized his full potential. He reached a level of potential that he never dreamed was possible, but it took a process, and it was a long and difficult process. Sometimes we read the Bible, and it covers, in a couple of chapters, decades of people's lives, and we think, why was it so easy for them? I want to break it down in the story of Joseph and show us that it was not short or easy. Joseph was the second youngest of 12 boys and at least one girl. We don't know how many sisters he had because they did not record women very well 3,900 years ago. It's very rude, but this is a different time. So Joseph came from your normal big family with between 13 and 16 kids and four moms. Uh, again, it was 3,900 years ago. Things were a lot different. I don't know what else to tell you. In that big family that he grew up in, the Bible says that Joseph was his dad's obvious favorite. His dad made him fancy clothes. And I mean, maybe you've seen like Joseph and the Technicolor coat. I like to picture Joseph with a coat that looks like a rainbow, just kind of spinning around in it while the tails like float in the wind. Like, hey guys, did you see my new jacket that dad made me? Pretty cool, huh? (laughs) His siblings did not like him very much, and you can imagine why. I'm not sure I would have liked this guy very much. And to make matters worse, Joseph, when he was 17 years old, began to have these dreams. And in these dreams, he would be be various figures surrounded by 11 others who were all bowing down to him. So when we meet Joseph, he's a teenage boy with mountains of untapped potential. He's having dreams that are actually God revealing his true potential to him. But he is a 17-year-old boy with a fancy jacket who is telling his brothers that one day they're all going to bow down before him. It's not a great vibe. Now, maybe you've never had objects bowing down to you in your dreams, but maybe you know the feeling that you were made for more, that your life bears some kind of significance that you just can't put into words. And that's what Joseph was trying to express in this season. He was trying to help people understand that he felt like there was so much more, so much bigger of an opportunity out there for him than what he had at life on this farm with this big family. Joseph was meant for more, but he wasn't ready for it yet. See, I think oftentimes when we begin to feel our potential, we know it's there and we know we're meant for more. We are not even close to being ready to step into it. And it frustrates us. And when we're frustrated because we know where we want to go, we know who we want to be, we know the direction that we want our life to take, and we can't get to it yet because maybe we're not ready for it yet, It often drives us to try to get there before we're ready, and we fail, or we never never try because it's too difficult. We give up before we even give it a chance, and we leave all this potential untapped. But we have another choice. When we're in this season where we're not quite ready to be who we were called and created to be, we can learn from it and let these seasons become a filter for who we were made to be. Joseph, little did he know, is about to enter into God's school of character through pain. 
Let's read the story in Genesis chapter 37, starting verse 17. Uh, Joseph was looking for his brothers, and, and they told him, somebody told him that they were in Dothan. And so Joseph went after his brothers, and he found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come on now. Let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. You may have said similar things about your siblings in your life when you were growing up. If you're a parent of young kids, you may have heard siblings say these sorts of things to one another. But these guys meant it. They were meaning business. They seriously wanted to throw him in a well and kill him. When Reuben heard this, that's one of his brothers, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take them back to his father. So Reuben's plan is to convince his brothers to, instead of killing him, throw him in a well, and then Reuben would come back and rescue him later. When Joseph came to his brothers... The shenate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. And the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. And as they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. And their camels were loaded with spices, balm and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, uh, just a sidebar, but if you know anything about the, the history of Israel, these 12 brothers are the ones who would start the 12 tribes of Israel. And so this Judah is the very same Judah that started the tribe of Judah, the same tribe that Jesus would be descended from, that David would come from, the nation of Judah. It was all right here, and this is him, and here's his idea. Hey, what do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he's our own brother, our flesh and blood. Judah's a good man. He said, hey, if we kill our brother, we don't get anything. But if we sell him into slavery, we'll get some money. Let's not be animals about this. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you that you have potential no matter what your past is. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. And meanwhile, this is verse 36, jumping down, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials and the captain of the guard. Now this is an ancient story. One of the things you've got to remember when you study scripture is the context, the time that they lived in. You probably haven't been in a scenario where you're at risk of being thrown into a well in the desert and sold into slavery to the mortal enemies of your people. That's probably never happened. Now, that sort of thing does happen in our world, but most likely you haven't been a part of it. But maybe you can understand how Joseph felt on that day, what was going through his mind. Maybe you've lived through a day where your entire world changed forever. Where the vision that you had, the dreams that you had, the future that you imagined disappeared like vapor in the wind. Maybe you can understand how Joseph was feeling as he was being led away by the Ishmaelites. I imagine it was pretty hard for Joseph to even process. I mean, here he was meant to be a leader 
to have significance. He felt that his role was to lead his family. That was as big as he could imagine at the time, that one day he would lead his family and do something great. But now, how could that ever come into fruition? He's being taken to Egypt, Egypt of all places where he will be a slave to a man named Potiphar, a military man, the captain of the guard. Maybe you've been in a, a day like that where it just feels like nothing will ever be good again. God doesn't always make sense. Our stories are often littered with pain without any clear understanding of why at the time. But I believe even though God doesn't always cause pain or even want us to go through pain, that when it comes to our character and our potential, so often pain is a part of the process. Let's talk about this idea of milling a little bit more, and I want to talk about a couple of the ways that we're milled. I think sometimes we just go through these seasons of hardship because life moves in seasons. Sometimes the season that you're in is just unbearably hard. Maybe you've been through a season of illness for you or for a family member, and it seems hopeless and hard. Maybe you've been in a season of loss, a close relationship you thought you would always have just isn't there anymore, and you're not sure who or what to hold on to. Or maybe you're in a season of financial hardship, job loss, just feeling the squeeze of, of everything right now. Maybe every month the bills keep coming, but there's just not enough money to pay them. Maybe it's this season that you're in is a season of paying for your mistakes. Maybe you got caught, or maybe you came forward. And the consequences were bigger than you could have imagined, or they hurt a lot more in real life than they did in your head before you came forward. And now you're paying for those mistakes. All these seasons of hardship, they cloud our vision and dominate our perspective. They become the only thing that we can see or imagine. They keep us awake at night. They keep us from getting anything done during the day. Maybe it's been months that you've been out of your routine going through a season like this. And it just doesn't feel like it's ever going to get any better. Or maybe it's been this season of personal disappointment for you. Maybe your life's just not what you thought it would be. Maybe you can understand the heart of Joseph that day because one of the things he was feeling was disappointed that his life was not going to go the way he wanted it to go. And you've had a similar realization Nothing's working out. You just can't get there. Doesn't feel like you'll ever meet the right person. It doesn't feel like your spouse will ever be the right person. Maybe you thought you'd be further ahead in your career by now. Maybe you thought you'd have things figured out more. You don't know what's next. I know that that is how Joseph felt. The moment these Ishmaelites began walking him away from his brothers, he had all these expectations that were gone. He saw who and where he was meant to be pictured it. But now here he is, hands bound, being led into the desert with strangers who are going to sell him to the highest bidder. So how are any of his dreams supposed to happen now? It's just not going to be the future that he imagined. He was the favorite son. He had a coat of many colors. He's from a wealthy family. He was supposed to have prominence. And now he's a slave, brought to a foreign country, sold to a family that spoke an entirely different language than him. 
didn't even understand what anybody was saying when he got there. It's hard to have your life taken in a direction you didn't expect. It takes on all kinds of different forms, but I just, I think that we all go through these seasons of milling, usually not just once. Maybe you can look back over different seasons throughout your life where you experience similar things. I've been there. I know the feelings. I know the pain and the tension that you feel in the center of your body from all the stress. I know the headaches. I know the heartache. I know the sleepless nights. I know what it feels like. It feels like being broken. But I don't believe in these seasons you have to be broken. I believe you can be shaped. Just as a sculptor breaks off pieces of stone as he shapes it, when God shapes you, parts of you are going to fall away. Things, dreams, wishes, wants, desires may be left behind in the process. It may feel like you're being broken, but the maker knows the pieces of, there are pieces of you that have to fall to reveal the beautiful thing that is underneath. And the Bible uses an example of refining metals when it talks about our suffering and pain the way that God uses it. Uh, Isaiah 48.10 is one of the examples of that. It says, see, I have refined you. Though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. When you refine gold or silver through fire, all the metals that don't belong in it, they separate. They're removed so that you're left with something better. And as we go through these afflictions, God uses those moments to strip away the parts of us that stand between us and the potential we were created with. God does not set out to create pain for us. It is not his desire that we suffer like we do in this life. But he uses that pain and he uses that suffering and he uses these afflictions in order to refine us and prepare us for the dreams that he has for us. Growth through pain. Growth through pain is a part of nature. When we work out our muscles, something I do all the time. As they're growing and expanding in the following days of rest, it's often associated with soreness and pain. Every time I do work out, I am extremely sore the day after because it has been so long since the last time I worked out. Babies come into this world through an enormous amount of pain. We get our first teeth. I've got, I've got an eight-month-old baby whose first teeth is coming through, and that was her crying just a second ago because it happens with a lot of pain. Pain is a part of the process, and the process determines the outcome. So how we handle that pain, what we learn through it, how we allow ourselves to be shaped, the decisions that we make, the way that we choose to heal from it, it all determines whether or not we reach our potential. Joseph was destined for great things, but he had things in him that really needed to be dealt with before he could reach his real potential. And in his case, namely, it was pride. The Joseph we meet in the beginning of his story is a prideful young man. The way that it ends, there is no pride in him. He leads with humility. I can't wait to tell you how his story ends. If you don't know it, don't read ahead. You'll spoil it. He was destined for great things, but he had this pride in him. And God used the pain that he was going to go through, this long season, 
I want you to know that this is the beginning of an 11-year process that Joseph goes to. It's not always quick. It's not always instantaneously. The Bible isn't full of stories where people just are automatically given a lot of cool things. It's filled with stories like this one, with people who go through a lengthy, difficult process to become exactly who God imagined they could be, who he created them to be. And Joseph learns humility. So don't rush out of your season of pain, whatever it is, without asking what God can teach you through it. If you're in a milling season, a crushing season, here's a few things to keep in mind as you go through it. First, you got to take inventory. You got to take inventory. Step back and take inventory. What is getting in the way of your potential? What in your life could be stripped away by this moment that you're in, in your season of crushing, milling, and pain, who can you come out on the other side as that is different than who you are today? Maybe you feel like you've just got a simple things or big things, big dreams, but uh, maybe you feel like your potential is to, to go out on your own, to start your own business, or to make your dreams profitable, but right now you're as broke as a joke. Really broke. So broke it hurts broke. And you need money to reach that potential, but you haven't got any to go there right now. Maybe God is teaching you how to be faithful with little so that when you lead with more, you'll be faithful with more. Maybe you struggle with pride or dishonesty, or you have things that you do in secret that are damaging your character from the inside out. Maybe one of those things even came to light and it hurts. But now you're learning the value of integrity, of doing things the right way even when nobody is looking. And if you aren't in a season of pain right now, but you know there's a barrier between you and your potential and your character or in your wisdom, what are you doing to mill it? What are you doing to crush it and break it away? There's a psalm, a wonderful psalm that will lift you up when you need it. And there's a line I want to share with you. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. And as they pass through the valley of, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains cover it with pools. That line, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make a place of springs, uh, means something. They all, always, all the Psalms, they mean something, but it means something very significant. This is a real place, this valley. Uh, the Valley of Baca, and the big deal about it is the name of it. Baca, B-A-K-A, I don't know if I'm saying it right or not, Bak, 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 maybe. Uh, Baca is the Hebrew word for weeping. It's called the Valley of Weeping. It was a literal place on the way to Jerusalem where pilgrims would have to pass through. It was a desert with no shade whatsoever, no natural oasis, no natural or easy to access water. And so as the people of God would be traveling to Jerusalem, which they did a couple times a year for festivals and these pilgrimages they would make to go and worship at the temple where the presence of God was, which was in one place at that time, they would pass through this valley of weeping. It was between huge mountains, and so there was really no way around it. You just had to go through it. And they named it the Valley of Weeping because it was so miserable to be in it and so difficult to get through it. So why does David say, what what does David say about those who keep their strength in God as they move through the Valley of Weeping? That when they keep their strength in God, even though they're going through a place 
of weeping, they decide to dig deep and get something out of it. Even though this is a valley of pain and trial, they will stop to dig some wells. They're going to dig as deep as they need to dig for as long as they need to until they produce water because they're not going to go through this valley and take nothing out of it. So not only do they stop and dig in the valley of weeping, but something that will give them life and give them strength and help them make it to the next place. And what does it say? It says that they will it says they will make it into a place of springs, meaning they will dig the wells. And it also says the autumn rains cover it with pools. So when we are going through these seasons, I believe that God's expectation is that we do some digging. That we start to dig deep and pull something out of the ground. That we build the wells. That we start to pull water. That we find life in the hardest seasons to help us go through it. And when we do it, what does it say God does? He shows up. The autumn rains cover it with pools. They had nothing to do with that. But when we do a little bit, God does a lot more. And even in our worst seasons, when we're being milled, when we're being crushed, when, we're, when we want to go this way, but for some reason now we're walking that way, if we take time to dig deep and take inventory and find out what it is in us that needs to change, God will show up in those seasons as well. It's time to dig deeper in this season and get something out of it and take inventory. The psalmist David, in praying to God, says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. As you go through these seasons, make that your prayer. Test me, God, and know my heart. Search all my anxious thoughts. You have anxious thoughts in a season like this, don't you? When I'm going through it, it's the only thoughts I have are anxious thoughts. God, look at my anxious thoughts and find the sin that is inside of them. God, look at my anxious thoughts and find the lies that I am believing right now. The lies that I am declaring over my life. The things the enemy is whispering into my ear. Search my anxious thoughts, Heavenly Father. See if there is any offensive way into me and lead me in the way everlasting. Make it your prayer. Take inventory in your hard season. Second, gain perspective. What's truly interesting about the milling process of the grain is that you have to do it just right in order to open the husk but not destroy it. Because the husk, the outside of the grain, is the very thing that, the very thing that you're crushing is the very thing that becomes the filter for the next phase of the brewing process. It defines the consistency of the beer. If you crush it too much, the filter bed is gone and the powder becomes a sponge and it soaks up the brew and it makes it gummy and unusable and it ruins everything. But if you get it just right, then that very thing that you crushed becomes a filter to have clarity on the other side. The very thing you are crushing will become a filter for what you can become. It will lead to you being who you were meant to be. I want to share two things. This is inside number two, and these are two extra things to hold on to while you are in the crushing to make sure that the outcome is a filter and not a sponge. First, just remember that this season's going to end. In most cases. Keep your head up. 
Ecclesiastes is a great book written by a wise king. And in it, he reminds us in chapter 3 that there's a time for everything. There's a time for everything. Everything moves in seasons. A time for weeping, a time for mourning, a time for joy. Life moves in seasons. And I know that when you're in one season, it seems like that's all there is. I'll be honest, I hate winter. I hate it. I will ski, but I would much rather water ski. Okay? And around about March, when spring was hitting my hometown of Charleston, and it was still 41 degrees here, I was very, very sad. I thought to myself, it will never be warm again. I will be cold for the rest of my life. The heater in my car is not hot enough. But what happened? It broke. And little by little, well, not the heater. (laughs) The cold weather. Little by little, it got warmer and warmer and warmer. Until today, it's beautiful outside. When you're in a season that's difficult, it feels like that's all there will ever be. But little by little, you will begin to heal. Little by little, things will begin to change. Little by little, your circumstances will shift. And you'll come to the other side of it. Keep your eyes fixed ahead. No matter how bad, how tough, how difficult it may be, your life is going to move into the next season. Remind yourself that to help you get through it. Second, know that these seasons will change and know that these seasons will change you. Lean into it. You're not going to be the same person on the other side that you were when you started. Sometimes they're going to change you for the better. Sometimes when our life is changing around us and we just hold on as hard as we can to where we are and when we are, we try so hard not to change, they change us for the worse. We become bitter, angry, frustrated. But if we accept that these seasons are going to change us and we lean into that change, we try to do it in the best ways. We bring people around us, mentors, friends, We weep alongside others who weep with us when we pursue whatever God has for us, when we take inventory and know the things in us that need to change. When we do it the right way, these seasons change us for the better. Change is scary, but it's a necessary step in reaching your potential. Gain some perspective in this season. Understand it's gonna end, and whether or not this season is about you, let it change you. Let it become the filter through which you see your potential. The last thing I'll share with you this morning is not to forget to worship in the crushing. It is so hard to come before God in seasons when it feels like he's not there or like he's not listening. In seasons when it's hard to be happy or satisfied. In seasons when it's hard to believe God is there for you. In seasons when it's hard to believe that you have a purpose or potential. In seasons when it's hard to believe you're going to have a better tomorrow, it is hard to worship. But you were created for worship. It's what you were made for. It's wired into you. God built you. He built you. He put you together. And when he did it, He wired things into your DNA, and when you discover what they are, it's like you're unlocking something. One of those things is worship. He created you to be a being of worship. 
And so oftentimes you get into these hard seasons and the devil says, you, you know, this is God's fault. He caused this. You don't need to be near him or around him. You don't need to, to worship him. You need to withdraw from him. He builds anger and resentment in your heart. And he wants to separate you from God. But I'm telling you that in those seasons, fight against it. Because there is nothing that will give you greater relief, that will give you greater peace, and give you greater perspective than doing what you were made to do. And that is worshiping the God who loves you. God is for you. Romans 8, 28 says, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose for them. So if you can't worship him about the season you're in, you don't have to be thankful for it. You don't have to be grateful for it. But worship him for who he is and what he is going to do on the other side of it. And you can worship in a way that is honest. In Psalm 22, David says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? Why are you so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night. But I find no rest. And yet, you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted you and you delivered them. And to you they cried out and were saved. And in you they trusted and were not put to shame. And so I will declare your name to my people. And in, my, and in the assembly, I will praise you. Let your worship be honest, but worship him. And it will change your perspective. I, I like to say, I mean, I just always know that when I go to God in worship, many times I start and my worries are big. The things I'm angry about, stressed about, sad about are huge. And it feels like God is small. But it usually takes me about one seven minute, 38 second worship song for things to begin to change. By the time I get to the end of it, I'm listening to one right now. I always uh, I fixate on things, and I listen to the same song every day for months, and then I change. My favorite of all time is What a Beautiful Name by Hillsong. But lately I've been listening to a song called Gratitude by Brandon Lake. And it's just, it's just a song trying to express our gratefulness to God. Beautiful worship song. I get to the end of that song, and I'm just reminded that my worries and my troubles and my difficulties and my trials are small, but my God is so big. It fixes my perspective. Worship him in your crushing. Take inventory. Let it change you. Let these seasons change you. Keep your head up and believe that there is potential for you that you have yet to see and that our God has never stopped dreaming about it. If you're in here today and you don't have a relationship with God, you don't know him, but you surely do know what it feels like to be crushed. You surely do know what it feels like to go through a milling season. You know what it feels like to have everything ripped apart. You know how difficult this life can be. But you've never had the hope to get you through it. I want to offer you hope today. I want to offer you hope in a brand new way. I believe you don't have to go through those seasons alone. I believe you don't have to go through those seasons feeling as hopeless and hurting as you have. I believe there is something better for you. 
in a relationship with Jesus. You see, the God of the universe, he has desired relationship with you since the moment he created you. He wants to know you. And he doesn't need to know a better version of you. He doesn't need to know you in the future when you get things figured out. No, he wants to know you exactly as you are right here today. And so if you're ready to be in a relationship with him and start to unlock your potential, just say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are, God. You are so good. I worship you and honor you today. Lord, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for the mistakes that I've made. Forgive me for trying to do this on my own. I need you. I believe in you. I believe in what you've done for me. And I want relationship with you. I want to know you. So from this day forward, all that I am, I am yours. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.